Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Relevant conversations about topics important to eye care providers today. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. April Jasper, and this is Opt In with Dr. April Jasper. I am so excited to have a guest with us today who's a friend of mine, but also someone who really is a leader in industry. Now, let me explain to you a little bit about Kelly's background. So first of all, Kelly, welcome. Thanks for being here on the podcast. Oh, gosh, April, thank you so much for having me. It's just delightful to be here, and I can't wait to dive in. So Kelly Babcock is a veteran leadership and business coach who has worked with independent pharmacy owners and innovative entrepreneurs since 2009. She brings real world in the trenches experience with managing high performance teams and taking visionary ideas from conception through execution across the finish line, producing remarkable business results. And I've had a chance to really get to know Kelly and I can tell you, I am so excited that you get to hear some of the things that she's going to start out with today. And by the way, as you listen to the podcast, start thinking about how important all this information is. And then we're going to have a deep dive into each of these topics in the courses that you'll find on Optometric Management Education's website. So Kelly, where should we get started? Why don't you start by telling everybody a little bit more about you and your background and and how into integral really leadership is in everything that we do as owners in a business. And I know pharmacy is a little different than optometry, but there's a lot of similarities. Oh gosh, you bet there is. I I tell you, April, thank you so much. Um, One of the first places that I like to begin is that I've had such a long career in, in change management and watching people and organizations and teams transform. And I think that's why I, I like to say, you know, I have that real time in the trenches experience because you're right. There are just some universal truths about leadership and about managing and owning and operating a successful business that transcend geography and demographics. And so I love to say that I have had that sort of hard knocks, um, you know, uh, street savvy in, in the, in the weeds of managing and leading high performance teams and not just high performance teams, but also really leading them toward business results. And I think that's where you find the similarity, right? Is that every business wants to see results. And the idea that we want to focus on today is, are they the results that you want? Are you getting the results that you'd like? Are they the desired results? So my background, let me just share very quickly because- Yes. Oh my gosh. So I actually started my career in, in marketing, public relations and advertising. And so I was able to really, um, build some fundamentals around how in the world do you, how do you get clients? How do you get customers? How do you, in the case of, of optometry, how do you build that patient base? Right. Um, So that was a wonderful way to start my career. And then I transitioned into executive leadership with Weight Watchers International for 20 years. And I was in a variety of leadership positions there, training and operations. So I literally cut my teeth managing a a region of about 2,500 service 
providers, you know, 12 to 15 states on any given day, managing about $40 million in revenue for the, for the company. And it was just an exciting career for me because where my heart lies is in helping people understand how they can be the best self, how they can, you know, yeah. choose, choose a path that really is ultimately fulfilling for them. And it was, um, gosh, you know, I felt like I, I didn't need to ever watch the biggest loser because I was living it every day. I saw people make tremendous, oh. tremendous change in their lives. So, you know, what that did for me, April, is that it, it really fostered a strong belief that change is possible. Um, no matter where, what you're doing, no matter what business you're in, change is possible. And, and so that career led me then to, uh, to really stepping into a leadership role in the pharmacy industry, in the independent pharmacy industry. And so I was the chief operating officer for a coaching and consulting company that really just supported the business development of only independent pharmacy. And I really love those people. I, I, I tell you, I, I really see some incredible similarities. Um, I really think there are a lot of intersects there that right. um, what has really worked and helped independent pharmacy owners can absolutely help optometry. Um, that kind of goes back to some of those universal truths about running a business, right? But yes. I spent, I, yeah, I spent my time, my last uh, 12, 13 years there and throughout the thread. So let me just sort of summarize this by saying that the common thread that the theme that runs through my entire life really is facilitating change and helping people to be the best leader they can be in their, in their businesses and in their lives. And so that's my passion. That's sort of my legacy at this, at this stage in my life. And that's what I'm focused on. And so it's just, is delightful to be able to have a platform and a forum to be able to dialogue and discuss those common elements. You know, I, I don't know if every if our listeners know, but Kelly knows that I have two sisters. One is a primary care doctor and the other one is a pharmacist. She's a PharmD. And wow. I have I have watched her go through those different struggles of being in different modes of practice as a pharmacist. And when Kelly and I first started talking, you know, Kelly, you know, I didn't even realize that there were still that many independent pharmacies. So how many are there still out there? About 22,000, about 22,000. Yeah. Independent pharmacies all over the country. And, and I feel like they're part of my family now, uh, you know, I, uh, um, and, and many of them are, are true entrepreneurs, you know, you, you go to school and I'm sure this is going to sound very familiar to you, right? April, you go to school for your skill, you go to school for your profession. So you, you walk away from pharmacy school or, or getting your, you know, uh, your doctor in, in optometry. And that's what, you know, I mean, that's, right. that's what you want to know. And then you decide you want to open up your own business and you're, you're faced with a whole host of other yeah issues and situations and circumstances that you, in many cases, you're wholly unprepared for, right. right. Um, as a doctor of optometry or as a, as you know, a, a doctor of pharmacy. So it's a, a very similar path. It is. And, you know, I was thinking about it just this morning as I was getting ready to talk to you and I thought about my journey and, you know, you're right. We graduate from our school, our profession, 
and we take our boards and we're thrilled that we know how to do our job. But we never really think about the fact that there's more to our job than performing that skill we learned. And so for me, and even if you're not an independent optometry, you know, even if you're in a corporate group or a commercial establishment or an associate, I think what registered with me finally after probably a couple of years of being in practice is that I need to understand my role in life, even as a leader. And so I want you to kind of give us a general idea. You, You mentioned that there are some truths that are the same across industry and really across any profession. And those are the basics really that you start with when helping people to facilitate change. So why don't we go through and talk a little bit about where you get started typically when you uh, just dive in working with different owners? Yeah, it's a great question, April. And I think that the the place that I always love to start um, is, is really around, um, you know, every, every owner is going to have their, their strength, right. Where they feel that they just excel and, and it may be, and it may certainly be, um, the technical skills that you were trained for. Um, and, and it may be, uh, along the, the business lines, but here's what I, where I, I love to begin with this notion of, these universal truths. So let me just say that I think they're, let's demystify them, right? And let's, let's simplify them, synthesize them down to what I consider the top four, right? They're really, and, and even though you could certainly attack the, all four of these simultaneously, you wouldn't necessarily want to, it's, you know, it's, it's that, how do you eat an elephant, right? Just one bite at a time. (laughs) And, and so I, I really feel like there are some principles that are must-haves, right? So in other words, number one, you must understand your financial situation. That really is the key to getting a good night's sleep. (laughs) It's the key to the the ongoing sustainability and health and growth of your business, um, the lifeblood of your business, if you will. And, and so I love to start there because that's important for people to know, you know, oftentimes what, in my experience, what I found is that as long as there's money in the bank, then there's no more analysis. There's no more investigation. Would you find that? I mean, do you, yeah. Is that, yeah. Oh, Kelly, I've even had people say to me uh, when I've talked to them about change that they could create and areas I know that they could improve and they could do it easy without even too much effort. I've had people say to me, well, there's money in the bank. I really just don't feel like doing anything else. And I just am flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a bit stunning. And yet it's, it's really altogether common to find that to be the case. Again, you know, you didn't go to school unless you're just yeah. one of those rare people who decided to get an MBA or a, a degree in accounting or finance you know, along, along with your, you know, doctor of optometry. So, you know, here's what I, I also liken that to the scenario that you just mentioned, which is all too common. It's like, as if you went to the car dealership and decided to buy a car with no gas gauge and (laughs) right. We find that so absurd. Like, well, who would do that? But we run our businesses that way every day. Because that gas, you know, the financial indicators are really your gas gauge. You know, do you know how full you are? Do you know how close to empty you're getting? And what I found is that 
when we don't focus on finance first, you know, I may be working with someone who only has 60 to 90 days of cash left. That's scary. They're losing sleep. It's just not a great place to be. And so there are some, there are some ways that really simple, you hit on the operative word here, really simple tactical things you can do on a regular basis with a cadence, sort of a cadence of accountability that will really be an eye opener and give you the insight that you need to where you are financially. Because here's the thing, the financial, the the numbers, that's just the first part of the story. It's really telling you a story about your business. And it's not so much the story as what you decide to do with the story. Well, and you're right, Kelly, when you said that's what keeps you up at night, what's, what's interesting is once you are comfortable enough that you know that you've got the money in the bank that you need to have there to allow you to sleep, what it also allows you to do is it gives you the freedom to make other decisions in your practice that you've always wanted to, but you're afraid to because you're so busy trying to just make sure the money's in the bank the next day. Absolutely. And so- That's what I have found is tremendous is once you control that, once you know that's okay, now you are free, you smile, you can talk to your patients better. There is nothing worse than walking into the exam room knowing that if this encounter that you're having right now doesn't result in X amount of dollars, it's going to be hard to put food on the table. April, that is so burdensome, right? I mean, that is just such a heavy way to have to not just run your business, but live your life. Right. Yeah. And so you, you also hit upon some, I think key operative words that I love to emphasize and that's freedom, right. Yes. And flexibility to do more in your business and to be more patient focused, quite frankly, that to me is, you know, look, it's patience first profit second, right. And, and understanding the story first and foremost, really simple ways that you can do that. Not anything complex. Nobody, you'd, I certainly don't have a degree in accounting. Um, and, and yet having that information, you know, knowledge is power and it really puts you in the driver's seat uh, in terms of the, the growth and the sustainability of your business. So that's the first place where, you know, I really like to get that rock solid and have a real nice, um, cadence where that's just not going to be an issue because then, then that does allow you to sort of get your head up, lift your head up, look around, scan the horizon. Now you get to focus on, gosh, what does it mean for me to lead my team to desired results? And that's what I wanted to do next. So I know people want to hear more about the details of finance. We will get to that in a course, but what I want to do next is really dive into, we've learned about one of the four things that Kelly says we really need to focus on. What is the second? Oh boy, this is near and dear to my heart. (laughs) It is all things leadership, right? All things leadership related. You know, you must be able to lead your team in order to get the results that you want. I mean, there's just really no other way around it. And ironically, April, it's amazing how many folks don't ever really think of themselves as leaders um, Mm -hmm. in in one capacity or another, even in their own lives, oftentimes. And, And so really, you know, look, leadership has always been tough. Managing people is tough. It's the hardest, most, um, it'll be the most effort you spend of, of any, any effort that you 
um, put out, you know, during your day. And what happens is that we have this sense that people, our team in particular, will just sort of magically do what needs to be done. And so where I like to also begin around leadership is that there is not a single thing that if you think of the greatest leader that you can imagine, the most effective, greatest leader of all time in your mind, I promise you that that person learned everything that they brought to the table. So here's where I think the reassurance comes in is that leadership and leadership skills can be learned. Yay. (laughs) Just like anything, right? Yes. Yay. Just like anything else in life. Yes. There is some hard work. There may be some elbow grease that we have to apply to it, but here's what we know about leadership today. It is very different than, you know, listen, when I started leading people and managing teams, I was in my late twenties, you know, all those years ago and, and wow, times were different. Just fast forward in these last three years, April, and we are, I mean, listen, in, in your, um, optometric management publication, I was just reading the article about how to, um, how to recruit and keep teams and keep your staff. Staff retention is huge right now. And I mean, here's, here's what we do know is that we're facing, this is no surprise. Everybody's heard of the great resignation, but what we're not really talking about is what's driving it. And that's the great reassessment. People are reassessing. So the question you have to ask yourself as a leader of a business is why do I deserve to have the best talent? How am I showing up as a leader in order to recruit them, retain them, and keep them working and engaged? Because that team engagement, April, you know, I think there are so many arms to avenues rather, right? If you think about leadership being an umbrella, I think of all, I mean, all the various elements because you also have to look at culture and team engagement when you think about leadership. Yes, and that's, you know, so I have to, I have to ask you this because you started out by saying that this is going to be one of the most difficult things you do. You didn't use the word difficult. You just, I think maybe said that time consuming (laughs) effort. Yes. So then- I think we need to have folks then say they're going to be thinking if they uh, were here to ask the question, well, why should I bother then? If it's going to take that much effort, that much time, that much learning, why do I want to be that person that spends that time, effort, and energy in this? Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Yeah, it is a really critical question. And it's, um, I think the irony is that the answer is going to be different for everyone. And yet the, the common, what I would, what I would venture to say in my experience is that you went into business for a reason. 
and really reestablishing the connection to your why. Why did I want to do this in the first place? And knowing that at the end of the day, you can let all of that go. You can say, you know what? I'm not going to bother. And then you just have a job. Right. And you are simply, and not that there's anything wrong with this, right? It is yeah. it is absolutely okay to say my sweet spot is being an optometrist and being the best optometrist that I can be. Bravo. That self-awareness and that consciousness is really critical. That may be your superpower and what you're put on this earth to do. So yes, go do it. And yet, if you decide to open a business and employ people then you have now assumed another responsibility Yes, and whether you like it or not. And so if you don't want to invest the time and the effort, that's okay too. hire someone who can hire someone who is willing to, who has that inclination for wanting to develop and grow and nurture the best in their team. And yet at the end of the day, I say that a lot, right? That's my, that's my go-to at the end of the day, we're going to bottom line this. Um, (laughs) You want your team to excel. So you get to go do more of what you love, right? So there is a payoff. There is a return on your investment of that time spent. And what we do know now, based on recent research and um, I mean, look, we know that a leader's style is responsible for a whopping 30% of the bottom line. Wow. That's, that's too big a percentage to ignore. So we, we know now also that in particularly a business that is dealing with patients coming in every single day and it's there. So there's front facing, you don't have a lot of time to pull someone into a private office and sit down and have an hour long coaching conversation to elevate their performance. So we have to find workarounds. We have to find ways that you can do that during the day, like quick yes. hits, those, you know, like real time opportunities to check in and provide uh, performance feedback. So that's also a part of understanding the unique challenge that is your business, right? Is that how am I supposed to elevate anybody else's performance when I don't even have time to go to the bathroom myself? Exactly. You know, you know exactly what we're dealing with, Kelly. Yes. <laughs> so it's I familiar. think- And, you know, I think when we first get into this and I can tell you, let me speak for myself, when David and I first bought our own practice and started to work in the practice, I think somehow I just assumed that everyone that worked in the practice with me would be just like me in the fact that they would be self-motivated and would want to come to me with any question they had. And if they didn't know what to do or were having a tough day, they would come out of it. And they would come to me and say, Hey, what's going on? What do I do in this case? It was really a strange thing for me to realize that this doesn't just happen on its own. And so it brought me to what I think is one of your uh, top four items that you always want to emphasize, which is the team and team culture. So talk to us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Well, it's such an eye opener, isn't it? That, that everyone's not like me, right. Or not like, not like you. And, and especially as a business owner, I, I can't tell you how many countless times I've heard a pharmacy owner say to me, well, they ought to know that's yeah. their job. They should know that. And, um, you know, in fact, I, I, I was just having this conversation earlier this week with a pharmacy owner who's going to have a team meeting, wants to do a culture reset. So let's let's just start by talking about culture and team engagement, sort of as, as two okay. things. All right. And you jump in if I'm if I'm going, you know, okay. over time here. So here's what we do know about culture is that it's it's very similar to the weather. You know, you absolutely can feel it. So whether we like it or not, because it tends to be relatively um, esoteric and intangible and, you know, it's, you know, people like to think some, somehow it's a soft piece of the business when in actuality, it, it has some very uh, real time profitability impact uh, as to whether or not your, your team is going to be able to deliver. So here's what I like to say. Culture is a long-term business strategy without question. It is a long-term business strategy. It is something you can never take your eye off the ball. You must constantly be nurturing, uh, growing, so, so that it is sustainable and it shifts, it's dynamic and everyone on the team is responsible for it. It's not just you as, as the owner, as the leader in the business, yes. this is when everybody on the team becomes a leader in the preservation of the team culture. Culture is simply the way you do things. And it doesn't have to be the same from optometry business to optometry practice to practice. Right. Every practice can be different. It just matters that you have alignment, that everybody on your team understands what's important to you. Right. And that's where we, where we will, we will definitely be doing a little bit of a detour to talk about how important your values are, because if you don't know what's important to you, how will your team? So right. Renee Brown, who's an author and researcher, very popular these days, she likes to say clear is kind. So the, the more clear that you that. can be, right? So for instance, one of the, there were three culture elements that this particular pharmacy owner wanted to include. Um, fun. He wanted everyone to be excited and, and committed. Well, what do those three words mean? right? What do they look yeah. like in the context of your business? Because fun right. is relative, right? Um, so you want to get super descriptive about what your culture looks like. You know, what is, what does it really mean for your culture to be alive and well, so that there is that alignment and you can operationalize it now, right? Now you can hire people toward that culture. You can recruit people who, you know, will be a good fit with your culture because you've documented it. You've been able to operationalize it and define specifically what does fun mean? What is excited about your job mean? You know, what is, you know, committed mean? Right. So that, that is sort of the fundamental piece of culture. And the more you engage your team, then the higher they're going to perform. They're going to, it's that discretionary effort. They're going to come in early. They're going to stay late. They're going to do, they're going to perform in ways. And I'm just getting goosebumps now. So I know I'm on. I know. Something. 
they're going to perform in ways that you never dreamed possible because they are so, they are so bought in to what's important because it's aligned. What's important to you is important to them too. Does that make sense? It does. And I think so many times we tend to generalize and I've done it myself when talking to other optometrists and say, you know, everyone's employees should fit this mold. And it isn't necessarily true. There will be some things in common, but there will be others that may not be. There would be an awesome employee for another practice that would never fit into my practice because we have a different focus Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But what's important is to know, and without everybody being on the team and understanding what those values are and what those goals are, it's frustrating for them. Talk about them not being able to sleep at night. I mean, if they really care, They may not have to worry about the money problems you have to worry about and I have to worry about, but they want to please. They want to make you happy. They want to make patients happy. They feel the difference when they come into the practice and knowing that it's running well and other people know. So I loved when you said at the very beginning, Kelly, that culture can be felt. And I can tell you so many times, not a day goes by when I'm seeing patients that a patient doesn't come in and sit down. And one of the first things they say to me is, I love your people and and I can feel what you're doing here. They use those exact words. Yes. And those, yeah. And, um, and here's the thing. I know that we can take care of their eye problems. That's the easiest part of the job. Yeah. Well, because you're expert in that, right? I mean, that's, that's really, that's really um, why I think that these universal business truths are so important to bring to the table because they're, they're not the areas that you have historically been focused on. Right. And, and look, here's what we do know is that, is that where you place your attention and where you place your focus, you will see improvement. Yes. So I think that when people have asked me in the past, Kelly, how do you get to your, how did you move your practice from where it was not like move location, even though we did that as well. Yeah. Moving the needle. Yes. How did you move the needle to where you are today? And how did you do it in a way that you're happy? You're still smiling. You love what you do every day still. And it was a while before I could explain to people what we did. And honestly, the truth of the matter is for the first few years of us doing what we were doing, even though it was right and we were moving in the right direction, I didn't know exactly what we were doing. That was right. 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 It was happening because it was there and it was wonderful, but I knew quickly that I needed to figure out what was it that we were doing right. And how is it that we can then continue to do this and moving forward? So We've talked about finance. We've talked about leadership. We've talked about the team and culture and how important that is. What do we still need to bring up before we end today? Yeah, I'd love to just say too, April, that I tend to group um, team engagement and culture under the umbrella of leadership because with strong leadership, you will be able to guide that ship, right? You'll be able to reset and redirect. So the other two of the four, what I consider to be must have business, sort of universal truths, business principles or pillars, if you will, um, really are operations and then 
you know, uh, certainly growth and marketing, right? Um, I like to say, and I like to intentionally put them in that order because oftentimes we sort of go running enthusiastically after the the growth element, and yet we haven't sort of um, systematized or operationalized uh, or implemented the right processes and systems and put those in place first so that the team, that, and of course, then that, of course, the inner relationship there is that then the team feels shaky, right? right? You want the, you want those operational systems to be in place, to be, um, to, to be the scaffolding, to be the framework for your team. So they feel confident. They are rock solid. And then you can market and grow and drive the business in. And they're going to, you can then rest assured that your patients are going to have the experience that you want them to have. There's more of a predictable level of, of service that's provided if you get the operational end down first and then, and then drive volume. Right. So operational, tell me more about what you mean by that. Does that mean the how to? It is. It really is. It, it has a lot to do with what is, you know, what are the policies and procedures? You know, are they documented um, in smaller businesses? What I have my experience, what I found to be true is that, you know, people stay, especially in smaller communities. And so you might have eight or 10 employees and everybody's been there for 20 years and everybody knows what to do and no, nothing's written down because, we know what we're doing. And, and, you know, that, that certainly can make sense for a while. You can sort of skate by um, with that. Uh, right. If you, if you decide that you need to implement something more innovative um, that's where I like to, to focus on sort of the implementation part is also part of operations because look, it's great to be a visionary leader and to have all these wonderful ideas sure. and, and continually innovate. Um, if you don't know how to build the system to get it across the finish line, it can be frustrating for everyone. It's frustrating for you because you don't feel like as the owner that your ideas are being taken yeah. seriously. You, you're not seeing the fruit of your labor. You're not seeing the same level of enthusiasm and excitement for those ideas. And yet on the team side, they're, they're just exhausted. It's just another you know, sort of flavor of the yeah. month so to speak. And so implementation, I believe is also sort of that how to execute an idea from start to finish, how to get it across the finish line and build the system and the process that supports it so that the team feels really comfortable with it is part of that operational sort of business, you know, uh, business discipline, if you will. And then of course, like I said, you know, marketing and growth, that tends to be sort of the sexy fun stuff. Everybody loves that part. (laughs) <laughs> it's the, it, you know, I, I liken operations and systems to sort of having to eat your broccoli first before you get dessert. I love it. And really, when you think about it, I, I knew that when I bought my practice and we started out back in 2002, the practice was fabulous. And I, I don't mean to make it sound like there was a problem with it, but it had not grown and changed in a very long time. Right. And so we had choices. We could either go out and start to market or we could get things right and set and working in the way we wanted it to work before we started bringing people in to see things as we had them then, which wasn't what I wanted them to see right away. Is that kind of what you're saying? Bingo. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. You really, you really did. And what happens is that, you know, um, 
yeah, it's sort of, you know, cleaning, cleaning house first, right? Right. You want, if you're going to have a party, you want to, you know, make sure that everything is in order before you open up the door and say, welcome, come on in. And so I think it's getting your house in order, right? Before, you know, before you drive the the volume or the business in so that you're assured that they're getting the, the service that they, that they want and need. And I think, you know, April, one last thing that I want to say about that too, is that oftentimes the owners believe that they have to be the one to do it themselves. And that's really where effective delegation comes in because you, you know, and, and look again, why it's so important to, to spend the effort to elevate and enhance your own leadership skills is because right. here's the thing you can't do it yourself. Yeah. You know, that here's the, the truth. You cannot run this business by yourself. You must have the team engaged to, to help you. And so delegating and if, and the key, operative word here is effective delegation is also part of that implementation process, right? Because you don't have to do it by yourself. Right. I love it. It's overwhelming. Yes. And I can tell you at first, the, the reasons you lose sleep at night are money financial. Once you solve that problem, the next reason you lose sleep at night as an owner is this whole process of leadership, the team, the culture, and getting to the point of being able to implement anything and have it work. And the disappointments of marketing and having someone come in and see something in your practice that isn't the way you intended it to be. So unfortunately, I think we all know what it looks like when it's not working. And the goal for all of us is to really get to a place where, and, and the what's in it for me is this, get to a place where it runs smoothly and beautifully on its own. And I'm still the leader, but I can step away and it still is a beautiful place for a patient to go to. Yes. And that's really my goal because I want to know that at the end of the day, in our practice, anyone who's stepped into the doors of our practice, we change their lives for the better when they leave. Yeah. And I know that isn't possible with just one person performing well. It's going to take everybody on the team. And so I want people to come into our practice as employees, as team members that understand that culture. And they want to live it with me and live it with the rest of our team. And I know that we're doing it well when I have an employee that says, you know, they have other opportunities, they have other things they want to do, and I'm happy for them to move forward in their life as well. But I know we're doing it well when they say, I just don't want to leave. I love it here. Oh my gosh. Well said. That's, that really is the goal, isn't it? It is. And, and it, it can be so freeing. You want to be able to feel that you could take a two or three week vacation and not receive a single phone call and come back and know that your business is your patients, your business is fine. And your patients are fine that they, you know, they did this themselves without you. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, one of the, the, there's a, Lao Tzu, an, uh, an ancient uh, Chinese philosopher, um, had a leadership quote about that. That is was one of my all time, still is one of my all time favorites. Is that at the end of the day, people will say we did this ourselves, and that's that's a great leader is right. to be able to to foster that. I love that. Well, this has been phenomenal, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'm just excited that people will now have the opportunity to dive into those four areas that we spoke about. We're going to spend more time. This is uh, as much as we can do in this period of time, but uh, for any of you who want to learn more and really understand in each of those areas, how you can change your practice, 
make sure you visit us at Optometric Management Education. You'll be able to see Kelly and I talk about these areas in a lot more detail, and you'll be able to walk through it with your team because the intent here is that, again, leadership is for everyone, and we want your team to improve so that you can, at the end of the day, know that you've done what you wanted to do in life and rest easy and smile and be able to move along with your personal life being successful at the other things you want to do other than being an optometrist and a business owner. So Kelly, thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again on future episodes. Thank you so much, April. It's been an honor. Before neural lenses, I always had eye strain, eye dryness, eye fatigue, moderate to severe headaches. I had to take prescription medication. It was to the point where I guess they'd want me to sit down and call her or read them books. And I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing. When I got my neural lenses, my headache went away. I wasn't taking Tylenol anymore. Can't explain it, but it worked. I would pay double for my neural lenses because I can't go a day without them. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Opt In with Dr. April Jasper.